there. I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into design, whether UX, UI, or all of the above, then this is the episode for you because my next guest is the Vice President of Human-Centered Design and Development at B-Swift, a software-as-a-service company in the healthcare space. But before I introduce you to Justin Dower, I want to make sure you've signed up to get a free copy of the Just Brew It ebook. It has amazing career advice from some of the rock star professionals who've been guests on T4C, including NPR journalist and host of How I Built This, Guy Raz, and Dr. Janet Yellen, the former chairwoman of the Federal Reserve Bank. And it is Super easy to do, my friends. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Justin Dower, a multifaceted, multi-pierced, multi-tattooed designer, author, and speaker. He's also the vice president of human-centered design and development at B-Swift, a software-as-a-service company in the healthcare space. Ultimately, it's part of Aetna and the CBS Health Company, but that's just a P.S., Justin has immersed himself in the tangible and digital media over the past 20 years. He's been a creative director managing front-end developers, UX architects, and visual designers, as well as having designed web app UI or the user experience for online supply chain management applications. Justin is also the author of two books, the latest entitled Creative Culture, Human-Centered Interaction, Design, and Inspiration. It's due to be published in June of 2020. Justin, welcome to Time for Coffee. I know I don't need to ask you this. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Hey, Andrea. Great to be here. First of all, I am absolutely caffeinated. I should say I'm in the process of cup number three, but I am raring to go. All right. Well, I got to tell you, Justin, I knew I was going to like you immediately when I read in your book, Creative Culture, just how important coffee is in your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it kind of like follows me through the course of the day from, you know, getting me going in the morning to giving me that afternoon kick to leveling me out in the evening. But there's always a cup of coffee in hand or within reach, I should say. <laughs> well, you are the perfect time for coffee guest. And it was also really cool to read about all the wonderful coffee shops in Chicago where you are right now. That's correct. Yes, yes. I'm very fortunate in that sense. I could hit a good coffee shop with a rock from any direction. We should also let our listeners know, Justin, that we're doing this interview in early May 2020. And of course, we're all hunkered down at home, at least in many states across the U.S., we're hunkered down. And so you're not able to get out to a coffee shop. And if our listeners hear little voices, it's probably one of Justin's two very small children. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> right. yep. Terrific. So we are going to frame 
our espresso shots around the design world, UX, UI, and maybe we should start off just by letting our listeners who may not be familiar with that terminology, what that means. Sure. UX is more or less short for user experience. It's actually short for user experience. And UI is user interface. And often you'll see in job postings for titles, UX, UI designer or UX designer. So it means design as it applies to experiential work. And by that, I mean how people engage with things that we build for the web, smartphones or tablets. So it's all about designing the experience by which people engage with products digitally. Nice. Okay. So what entry-level jobs, Justin, are available to young people who want to break into this field? The good news is there are a lot of junior level or fresh out of school and any level or any capacity positions within UX and design and research as well. Research is also a part, a big part of user experience. And by that, I mean just engaging with clients and having dialogues with them and observing how human beings ultimately interact or engage with what we're building. There are, like I said, copious junior positions in that sense, a strong support, at least for companies who are doing it healthily, for internships paid internships as well within design. I've offered paid internships along the way in my career, and I know many of my peers do as well. So if you're looking for a position just to get your feet wet and just to see, you know, if this is something you'd like to pursue or if this is even the company you'd like to stick with, a good sign of a healthy culture is one business that offers a paid internship. So always keep your eye out for that. A lot of those boot camps, UX boot camps, like General Assembly and things like that, that, you know, more or less will offer very intense and focused curriculum on UX will also assist you with placement in internships and more junior roles like that. So a good support for that in this field. And I'm happy to say I've seen quite a bit of it. Excellent. And I was not aware that General Assembly offered sort of uh, one-stop shopping where you could both take online courses and then they could potentially connect you with internships. That's great to know. Yep. Justin, what is a useful, hard and soft skill that you look for in the young people that you hire at B-Swift? I would say empathy and humility are two key ones and patience, tenacity, curiosity, of course, because we shall always be students of our craft, if you will. But empathy and humility to me, I often say humility is the most important skill for a designer because then you're always, you always have a willingness to learn and you always have a willingness to grow. Empathy, at least on the research and UX side and, you know, heck design as well, being able to identify with those that we're creating for. And that's why when we say human centered design, that means bringing people along for the ride with what we're building, engaging them along the way from conversation one through design, through usability testing, through iterating and ultimately releasing into the wild. By engaging human beings throughout, we are able to generate empathy for them and for the environment in which they will use what we're ultimately releasing. So I cited five things there, but empathy and humility to me, I mean, you know, as life skills, of course, but certainly it applies to design, absolutely vital. Nice. And what about actual coding or software knowledge, what do you think is kind of essential to know? As far as harder soft skill, soft skills for sure is that patient and tenacity as well. I often look for tinkerers, people who can't turn it off, if you will, in a nine to five capacity. That's not to say when people go back home, they have to take care of kids or be a spouse or a partner or, you know, sometimes even work a second job. People who like to deconstruct or figure out the guts of why the way something works. And, you know, that applies for code or design. So tenacity and a curiosity, like I cited earlier, that's equally applicable in the development space. 
Okay. What about someone's major, Justin? Is it a deciding factor to get into this line of work? In other words, if they haven't studied UX, UI, or majored in it in college, is it a deal breaker? Absolutely not. I can say that emphatically. I've hired people who have made late career changes into UX. And for example, somebody I had hired was in the banking industry for a while. And what their passion was there was engaging with people and helping people get loans and helping people out and working with people and connecting. Connecting is another skill I should have appended before as well. And, you know, they made a late career shift into UX by going to a boot camp. But, you know, that's not to say they had tons of work to show or even client work. I mean, you know, when you're going through a focused boot camp, a lot of it is you're redesigning an app or doing something for a client. But it's not to say that they actually see it. You're working on a product that's released in the wild to get experience on something that's not going to actually be released tangibly. So in that sense, a lot of companies might be dismissive. You know, oh, you haven't had this much experience working in the field or, you know, you don't have any actual client work to see. Very, very seldom do I let that influence my hiring. It's more about, you know, a willingness to grow and a willingness to learn and evolve and a hunger for the things I cited before, empathy and connection and doing good for people. So short answer, absolutely not. There are many other key factors there to consider. And if someone doesn't study it in school, you've mentioned General Assembly. Are there any other platforms that you would direct them to where they could kind of get their skills in their own time? Sure. There are a lot of online courses and online curriculum, like Skillshare is one that comes to mind straight away, where what I'll say, UX masters, those have a tremendous amount of experience in the UX space, offer courses. That certainly helps. People are taking, like I said, second or third jobs, or this is their schoolwork after their other schoolwork. And I found when you can do it on your own time, like you cited, Something like that, like a Skillshare system where you can take coursework and they recommend, you know, if you take this, you might also want to consider this. That really helps in a self-discovery sense and to just evolve your skills away from being able to apply that to any client work. Wonderful. Thank you. How important is it to have a graduate degree, less so for those entry-level positions and more so, Justin, for somebody who wants to be a vice president one day, who wants to be in the C-suite, and if so... What do you think are the most useful ones to have? Well, in a graduate degree sense, I can tell you in my career, and I've done a lot of a lot of hiring in my career, and I'm pausing to think as you asked that, I've hired very few people with anything more than, I mean, if they've gone to an art school, let's say specifically, it's usually like a Bachelor of Fine Arts, like a BFA, and that's what I have as well. MFA, like a Master's of Fine Arts, I can't think of I've ever hired anyone with an MFA. Really, it's more... If you're showing a portfolio, the strength of the portfolio, if you're entering, you know, work by taking a Skillshare class, or if you're at a focused boot camp and you have some work there, like, are you showing what you contributed to a project? Or are you showing sketches that weren't successful? And why weren't they successful? Like, that's the kind of stuff, the thought process behind work, or like, what kind of blogs do you read to, you know, stay on top of your craft and help yourself evolve? Like, that's the kind of stuff you can call from in terms of a, a strong fit for a position rather than, you know, do you have an MFA? And I'll say if you see something like that as a disqualifier, obviously it's not the best fit for you straight out of the gate. But again, short answer, not important at all. I'm sure there are sighs of relief going up all over the place for those who may be interested in this because my goodness, graduate school degrees are not cheap. <laughs> Justin, what kind of life experiences, so those experiences outside the classroom, do you think are most useful for someone who is starting out in the design world? 
I would say working or connecting with people in some or any capacity, like the service industry. I mentioned someone before who was in banking. That was their draw, connecting with people and generating empathy for those transactions. So working and connecting with people, just think of the mass span of positions that can apply to. Service industry is a great great starting point for generating empathy or working with people or understanding, meeting people where they're at when they come in or some people just come in and what kind of mood are they in or they just get some bad news or they in a good mood or how do you connect with them and still make sure that they're taken care of. Those are all core. Everything I just cited there is absolutely core to design broadly, UX, research, UI, those skills and the patience that is kind of inherent in them, absolutely invaluable. Something else, and I don't know if you would agree with this, you have used this as an example in your book when you took some of your employees out for an offsite work retreat and you took them basically into the desert (laughs) and went hiking together and part of it was like being out in nature and looking at rock formations and the structures and that open space and blank space and all of that, the idea is that these are ways that you can let your imagination run wild and get inspired. Yeah, I like to call that notion the tangible informing the digital. So with that trip, I made sure I didn't just take designers. I mean, of course, that's my niche, but I took designers, developers, people in project management, product management, people who answer the phones, all sorts of disciplines to this space. Like you said, it was in the desert. It was in Moab, Utah, which is absolutely beautiful, by the way. And being inspired by the environment and how, like you said, I love how you said that, how negative space and things like that. And I had software developers drawing software diagrams in the red sand down there, the red dirt with their fingers doing database diagrams and designers figuring things out with air quotes wireframing with twigs or grass that they found and doing critical thinking and figuring out new ways of working devoid of our visual tools away from our laptops, away from that glow of a retina display and also just connecting as human beings. I had a guy on the first day of that trip and he said, I cannot believe I'm being paid to do this. And it's kind of a chuckle worthy moment, but you're releasing people from their shackles of what it means to be a contributor or an employee at a business to show that they're valued as human beings and then to take the spirit of that, because that is absolutely felt at your core, take the spirit of that back to how you work with your coworkers and back how you create for the very people who are going to interact with what we're doing. So it's a tremendous thing to be able to do that if you have the experience. And a lot of businesses do offer that these days. Terrific. Justin, what is the best part for you of being in the design world? For me, I would say the best part is the privilege and responsibility of connection. And that applies to both culture and design. And I say practice, culture, practice, and design process. Any degree of design is a privilege and a responsibility, be it poster design or be it a postcard or magazine spread or a film opening or, you know, like we're talking about now, a little more focused web design or app design. It's a privilege and responsibility to be able to do it because you're connecting with people. And in the healthcare space, which is where I'm operating now with the application of design, you have to consider you never know under which circumstance by which someone is engaging with what we're creating. Is it under duress? Is it under calm? Is there varied degrees of cognitive dissonance around them when they're trying to interact with an experience? Are they on a, on a train? Are they on their laptop and quiet? You just don't know. For a poster, is someone in a crowded hall at a concert? Is someone seeing something in peace? But you have to have that laser-focused empathy and sense of visual communication by which to connect with somebody. You 
have to meet them where they're at and you don't know where that's going to be. So there's certainly that. And then in terms of personal fulfillment sense, critical problem solving in a visual sense, the degree at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago is not called graphic design. It's called visual communication. And that's always been the appeal to me, problem solving visually, structurally, strategically. So, you know, using my brain as it applies to visual communication, that has scratched an itch to my core over 20 plus years at this point. I don't see that going away anytime soon. (laughs) Wonderful. So as we both know, it doesn't matter how wonderful the company is that you work for, how great your colleagues are. They're always aspects of your job that aren't so much fun. So what is the part of your current job as vice president of human-centered design and development that sucks the most? This might sound like a little bit of a cop-out, but I'm being absolutely genuine when I say this, and that's not having enough time during the day for any specific area of focus. Like I would love to spend the entire eight hours or 10 hours or six hours or whatever comprises any given day purely focused on my team and their evolution and championing what they need. Or I like to focus those hour spans that I just cited purely on design or focus there or assist in, in creative direction. But that's not the case. I'm very often at the vice president level in copious meetings, be it sales meetings or refinement meetings or you know manage allocating who's working on what or triaging anything that comes up. And then it's if I don't have a productive day, I'm a type of person who doesn't have that sense of personal fulfillment once I'm ultimately laying in bed and kind of playing things out in my head. So that happens very often. And I think just a sense of forgiving myself that I can't control those circumstances and being able to circle back to make sure I can offer my team the support they need. That's the main thing. Just making sure things don't fall through the cracks, despite the level of, you know, air quotes, suckiness any given day might yield. Yeah. Well, that definitely was not a cop-out answer. The cop-out answer to me is when people say, there is nothing in my job that sucks. That is a cop-out because (laughs) honestly, there are so many variables in anybody's job. And even when you work for yourself like I do, there are aspects that I don't enjoy so much, but you got to get it done. Okay. We're down to three final espresso shots, Justin. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten? Probably stay humble. Humility is imperative toward growth, like I said before, an ability to evolve and you know, ultimately a willingness to learn from each other, from research, for the betterment of our craft. When I was a junior designer, a lot of my success in terms of recognition online or even my sense of identity came from my design, doing hands-on design. And as you kind of get more senior, and this is something for the listeners as they are evolving their careers, the more senior you get as a designer, I'll say designer specifically because that's what we're talking about, the less hands-on you are. And now I'm completely hands-off. You know, I'm actually not designing anything on any given day. I'm making sure I'm helping my team succeed and helping the quality of their design evolve and making sure that they get what they need. But when I started making that transition from junior designer to senior, it was painful. I was wondering why I felt empty in a design sense. It's because I, my sense of fulfillment was evolving. And a lot of my identity and dare I say ego as a junior designer was evaporating at that point. So it was a transition for me psychologically. But staying humble and always being able to learn and learn from others, absolutely vital. I think that's so important, Justin, especially because, and I'll just speak from personal experience, when I was early in my career, I found myself getting jobs that were more and more demanding and feeling in some ways like I had to fake it and didn't want to show vulnerability, didn't want to show the fact that 
I was in over my head. What advice do you have for young people as to how they can strike that balance between being who they are and with the level of experience they have and keeping sort of their egos in check and not sending off the wrong signals? I think that's where that skill of humility, and I feel like that's For some people, it comes naturally, and I'm making myself very vulnerable here. For me, it was a learning experience. Having my design praised and being, you know, a contributor on some very popular design sites at the time and having my identity tied to that. And I was kind of in my conversations with my friends or how my design was critiqued, I was kind of a jerk in my early 20s. And I look back on that and I just kind of shake my head, but I've learned along the way that all I would have done at that point is stagnated in my evolution, in my career, in my context, via the peers that would be willing to interact with me. So it's really being able to see outside of yourself and recognizing the impact of any level of ego has on everyone around you and your career and the way you can evolve and the way you are received away from what you're creating. So I can't say that enough. Humility, absolutely imperative. And again, I'll say that's the most important skill for a designer that you could probably say that for a lot of career paths. But just doing a self-check based on interactions or conversations or heck at the end of the day, like I said, when you're replaying the day in your head, I know I do that. About moments where you could have been more humble or you could have evolved a little more. So for me, it was something to work at. For those, some other people, it's intrinsic to who they are. And I just can't say enough. Humility is absolutely core. Yeah, that is such a great point. So, Justin, what movies, if any, or Netflix, Hulu, Amazon shows or books do you think accurately depict your profession? I thought about that quite a bit. And the first thing that resonated for me is less that media and more some websites do a good job about a day in the life of a designer or UX designer or what, you know, my title is UX designer. What the heck does that mean? And it kind of goes through what that means. And there's a site called UX Collective, which I believe is a medium publication. And I saw some articles just published the other day. Like you said, we're recording this in May, but I saw some articles published the other day about job titles in the UX field and what does that mean? Or I'm a UX designer. What does that mean? Or what does my day look like? Copious articles like that on a very timely updated cadence. So something like that, I was struggling to think of a movie or a documentary that does, and I would love to hear about it if there are, but I think like in a website capacity or a pseudo blog sense, like a UX collective does a strong job with that kind of a humble approach. Fantastic. We'll make sure to include a link to it in show notes. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession, Justin? Really that as designers, the first thing we do is not design, which sounds a little strange, but particularly in human-centered design, and I mentioned research being absolutely imperative to human-centered design or the cornerstone of such a practice, is that we are connecting with people first and foremost. If we're talking in a client sense, let's say understanding the client's needs or what their key performance indicators are in terms of what would yield success for them or engaging and then bringing the actual people who will be using our product along for the way in the design. It's called co-design, actually design with them. But before you even are putting pencil the paper, let alone opening an application on your computer, just dialogue and observation and understanding. And again, to bring humility back, and this is going to end up being called the humility show, bring humility back into it, being a student at that point, because we can't bring any bias 
or subjectivity into the equation by talking to people and learning from them and understanding what we build ultimately becomes completely objective and it removes any sense of bias that we might introduce as designers or people by our own experience. So yeah, I mean, as designers, design is not the first thing we do. I have strict researchers on my team, but UX designers as well love to do some research and love to be involved in that process. So I would just set an expectation in that capacity that the first thing you're not going to be doing is cracking open a sketch or Photoshop or whatever given tool. Just dialogue and learning and understanding is often the first thing we do. Terrific. Thanks so much for that. Justin's latest book is entitled Creative Culture, Human-Centered Interaction, Design, and Inspiration. It is due to be published in June 2020. We will include a link to it in show notes. And if you want to learn more about what Justin does as the Vice President of Human-Centered Design and Development and how he built his career. Check out the show notes for this episode to see if Justin's main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. Justin, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the T4C community. This was just wonderful. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.